Welcome to the Women's Pelvic Pain Podcast, your ultimate source of uncensored information on women's pelvic health. In this podcast, you will hear from health practitioners, holistic healers, nutrition experts, and fitness gurus, in addition to people who have or had suffered from chronic pelvic pain in order to learn and understand everything there is to know about pelvic floor disorders. I'm here to share with you what I've learned in my seven and counting years of personal experience with chronic pelvic pain. Approximately one-third of women suffer from pelvic pain. It's an unspoken epidemic. So many of us have it, yet no one talks about it. However, the mission of this podcast is to break the pelvic pain silence. The conversations are intimate, raw, and completely unedited in order to deliver the most authentic information possible. With education, patience, and the proper tools and techniques, pelvic pain can be overcome. Hi guys, welcome back to the Women's Pelvic Pain Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Matluck. I'm a holistic health and wellness coach, and I also suffer from chronic pelvic pain. Pelvic pain is such a complex topic, which is really why I started this podcast. I was determined to simplify the topic and to make it one that's understandable, accessible, and interesting to people who do and do not have uh, pain, chronic pelvic pain. and also to provide insight and comfort to those especially who do suffer from it. So I always start by saying that this is such an exciting episode because I really do feel that about every episode. I'm genuinely excited to hear what um, anyone I have on the podcast, what they have you know, to share with, every, with the audience and what they have to say about their career and what they specialize in. But today is really a particularly exciting episode. I have my cousin Katie here who is going to share her personal story with chronic pelvic pain um, and endometriosis and interstitial cystitis. She's had ovarian cysts and microbiome imbalances, digestive disorders, the list really goes on. So she's going to share her story and her experience and her healing journey. And she also is an Ayurvedic practitioner and metabolic specialist. So she's really going to be able to talk about how her life and her journey with her her pain and her other health issues transformed her career and now I mean she does this for a living and she's able to heal so many people and combine eastern and western medicine into this way of healing that is really rare and really uh, beneficial to so many people so Katie I'm so happy to have you here today and excited for you to share all the information that you have with everyone thank you so much for having me Hannah it's super exciting to be here um okay so I think that first I want you to just share you know a little bit about your journey and how the the issues that you've had throughout your life and how they were misdiagnosed for so long and I mean I think you said 16 years it took you to become diagnosed with endometriosis and I think that was like a really transformational point in your healing for sure 100 Mm percent um so yeah I guess as a kid I was very happy kid I was active I loved sports I was a gymnast I loved dancing and I was you know involved but I definitely had pain I just thought everyone else had pain I thought it was normal and I wasn't really sure what was the difference between pain and no pain. Mm-hmm. And I think as I got older, it became more apparent once I got my period because 
my first cycle, I thought I actually had food poisoning. So all night I was up throwing up and I had loose motion. And when I woke up in the morning, I saw there was blood everywhere mm-hmm. that I'd actually gotten my period and that my periods were incredibly painful. They lasted, you know, seven to 12 days up until a couple years ago. And I would have to be taken out of school or I'd have to stay home from school sometimes. It was excruciating. I would get a little delirious, wouldn't be able to sleep. There have been times where I haven't been able to talk. The pain was really that bad. Um, I had gone to gynecologists. They tried putting on a birth control. The birth control made things worse. Um, I had digestive disorders that coincided with these issues, and I was trying to learn how to eat and figure out what foods worked for me uh, growing up. And mm-hmm. that was quite a difficult process, which actually led me into an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And which was painful, but very helpful in my own experience. Now, when I look back on it, taught me a lot about food Mm -hmm. and how the body works and how our hormones and our metabolic system, how it's all interconnected and how we have this one system that works all together. So if one thing's off, it throws everything else off, especially because the digestive system and the reproductive system are so close to each other in the body. When one of them gets inflamed, it can cause mm-hmm. inflammation to the other system mm-hmm. so it's a little bit of the chicken or the egg I don't really quite know which one yeah. of my issues came first but they're very much correlated and as I started to work on one I could see the difference in the other mm-hmm. um, so all of this ended up bringing me first to yoga and which was incredibly helpful in my recovery from bulimia and then as I got into that I was still really curious about how to eat and food and I learned about Ayurveda and now I've been almost eight and a half years studying Ayurveda Mm. and it's taught me such a wealth of information it's helped a lot in my own self-healing and in the process of learning it and practicing it on myself I've been fortunate enough to be in the position to share that with others Mm -hmm. as you said and this is the work that I do Um, I teach people about diet and nutrition and lifestyle and practices they can do to remedy some of their health issues and unfortunately a lot of people have chronic pelvic pain Mm -hmm. Um, and so I've but I've been fortunate to work with a bunch of people and give them some tips that have worked for me that hopefully I'll share today uh-huh. um, that have helped me get through my process and which eventually led me to a wonderful surgeon who helped me diagnose the endometriosis. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was a 16 year late diagnosis. So what finally brought you to that surgeon? Um, like when when did you realize that you know that this pain was not normal and how did you find the right doctor so it's interesting i always thought the pain was a little bit strange and every month when i'd go in for my pap or whenever i would go to see a doctor especially after the eating disorder because i read about how that can really mess up your hormones i became very anal about going to the gynecologist very frequently and getting mm-hmm. my blood work done making sure that my hormones were okay and that everything was functioning all right and you know, like most doctors, they said, you know, some pain is normal, that happens for women, and they would tell me to, you know, take naproxen or take some Advil, take Mm -hmm. things like that. Nothing ever really helped, and so that's really what led me to alternative modalities, like first I tried acupuncture, I tried shiatsu, I tried all types of body work, I tried colon hydrotherapy, tried tons of different types of therapies until I found an Ayurvedic practitioner that practice marma therapy and marma is an acupressure therapy so they don't use needles but it's Mm -hmm. pressure points Mm -hmm. kind of like reflexology and it was transformative within a month of only getting two sessions my pain was reduced and it wasn't just from the treatments it was also from the diet and lifestyle changes I started Mm -hmm. making 
and it it made it and my cycles completely changed they went from being those eight seven twelve day long periods all of a sudden they were shortening Mm -hmm. to six days and then eventually five days which was much more in the normal range Um, but the pain was still excruciating and so I started doing this work myself I started uh, apprenticing with teachers and people who were teaching me Ayurveda in India and over here in America and I started working in the field working on all sorts of different people on like learning about body types and learning about other people's health and it was a very much a learning teaching experience where I was sharing information and getting information and I still am in that process never never done learning Mm -hmm. and never done healing Mm -hmm. so after so many years my symptoms started to worsen again so I had bunch of my symptoms started getting better but then all of a sudden I started having like more weight gain issues things that I hadn't struggled with in a long time and my hormonal issues started getting worse I started having edema where my body was just retaining a lot of water and there wasn't a big change in my lifestyle I was doing all these good healthy things eating good food had a really like had good sleep I was Mm -hmm. I I had a very healthy lifestyle and my symptoms just started progressing Mm -hmm. and getting worse and worse and worse and so I started not even believing in the work that I was doing because I I was like well I'm doing everything by the book like what what could possibly what could I possibly be doing wrong that I'm having a 35 pound weight gain in like two years and having and my periods getting worse again what what, what's the change Mm -hmm. so it actually ended up taking me staying at a friend's house having a really bad period and she looked at me and she said you know pain's not normal Mm -hmm. and I said what do you mean pain's not normal some people just have painful periods Mm -hmm. and she said no you have to talk to a friend of mine she called up a friend put me on the phone with her and her friend had every single symptom that I had Mm -hmm. to the T Mm -hmm. and told me about her experience with these remarkable surgeons called the Nazats um and told me that they saved her life and took her from infertility to having a child through IVF. And um, she gave me their contact. I called up the doctor's office, spoke to a really wonderful person, like an assistant there. um, And I said, I think I might be a good candidate to have a consultation. Told them some of my symptoms. They said 100% come in. Within 10 days, they they got me in for a consult. Mm -hmm. And they can't diagnose endometriosis without doing a diagnostic surgery like mm-hmm. a laparoscopy um, but they have some preliminary tests and some questions that they very intense like 15 page questionnaire that they go through and he sat there and he looked at me after the consult and he said there's a you know 85 to 95 percent chance you have endometriosis mm-hmm. and it looks like you do meditation you do all these really healthy practices so if you're not able to manage your pain this way we should really look into the surgery right flash forward eight weeks and this doctor's based in california so there's these there's these brothers right and they're wonderful surgeons so there's cameron nazat who dr cameron nazat mm-hmm. who i saw and he's in palo alto and his brother far nazat dr far nazat who's in um new york mm-hmm. and i think they have other family members who are in america who also do the same kind of work and their mother actually had endometriosis, and that's what inspired them to get into the work they do. They've been in this field for 40 years. Mm-hmm. They're wonderful doctors. I have no idea how I landed at them as the first doctor I'd seen in about five years for this pain. Right. Um, and you wait, know. so hold on. So you 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 got the consultation. They told you that you should probably have the surgery. Eight Most weeks later, I had eight, the surgery. Right, right, right. And. My biggest fear going into the surgery mm-hmm. was that my mom flew out and everyone was there and 
nothing was going to be wrong and I would have gone through this whole surgery and right. they would have found nothing. Right. I wake up and I was riddled with endometriosis. Ended up, they took two cysts off both ovaries and I ended up also being diagnosed with interstitial cystitis. Mm-hmm. Um, they, it, the surgery was incredibly successful. Mm-hmm. They took so much meticulous time taking each little piece of endometriosis off every organ so that I didn't have to have organs removed. My I, they told me I was completely fertile and I was very lucky to catch this earlier on. Mm-hmm. A lot of women, they go sometimes 25, 27 years and without this diagnosis. Was like 16 years this was 16 you, years, right? which is like, an, for them, it was considered like an earlier diagnosis, yeah. which shocked me, yeah. really personally, that some people have had to suffer even 30 years sometimes with this disease before diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And like the friend who referred me to them, she'd mm-hmm. had this for 27 years. And so I was very fortunate and I had a very good experience with them. It was like the most amazing experience I had probably ever had with the medical system. They were unbelievable. And I've decided to use um, complementary and alternative integrative healing to help me in my recovery. Mm -hmm. And it's been amazing. My recovery has been wonderful. My body's pretty much back to normal. Mm -hmm. And I feel very fortunate that I've had access to these wonderful doctors who are very very well versed in this field and that I have great healers and other people that I work with um, continuously to make sure that I can figure out a way to heal this for good Mm -hmm. I just want to really touch upon the fact that what led you to this doctor is really simply talking about the pain that you were having you weren't you know like researching and doing all of these things to try and find like the best doctor and this this you didn't even know really what was wrong it's the simple fact that you said i have this pain your friend said i know someone who has the same pain that you have why don't you talk to her and sure enough you spoke to her she referred you to her doctor and you know it kind of all came full circle from there mm-hmm. but it just really shows how important it is to talk about the things that you're going through because i mean one, I think one in ten women have endometriosis. I think diagnosed, one, right? Diagnosed, exactly. Way more than that of pelvic pain. I mean, so it's just if you're able to talk about these things, odds are you know someone or someone you know has many similar issues, and it really is like so so beneficial because that's like I think one of the best ways to to really be able to heal yourself is to just talk about it well and it's funny because pain comes with a lot of shame Mm -hmm. and a lot of guilt Mm -hmm. and that keeps a lot of people quiet yeah especially i think women yeah so it's you're right it's really and it was something that i had always had trouble communicating Mm -hmm. and i was embarrassed about it and i was very ashamed to have this pain and i didn't understand what it was or why i had it or if everyone else had it Mm -hmm. and so i was very fortunate that i did end up talking to the right people yeah and um the other the other thing that i wanted you to quickly just talk about was so the the weight gain and the hormonal issues and the water retention that was those were all symptoms of endometriosis or of like did the doctor know why you were having those problems and were they resolved after the surgery he he was very honest with me which i really appreciated and he said there's pretty much so much that they do not know about most women's reproductive health and these different pelvic pain diseases and disorders and 
so he said he has no idea really he said it the list could span from things that they're aware of to things they're not aware of so he wasn't sure and still to this day I might never know however since that surgery and since the work that I've been doing I have pretty much lost all the weight that I'd gained Mm -hmm. since the surgery Mm -hmm. they said the endometrial tissue was strangling my ureters which would have been backing up my kidneys and the whole water function of my body would have been thrown off so I do think by not having that strangle it's very logical that by not having that invasive tissue everywhere that you know the inflammation all these things have come down my Mm -hmm. cycles are only two or three days now Mm -hmm. I just I opted not to go on birth control personally as my personal choice after sitting with that Mm -hmm. um so I've been able to use diet and other lifestyle practices to reduce my inflammation to the point where I really only I bleed very few days and Mm -hmm. very little I don't clot I don't have the pain that I used to have I'm able to work I'm able to you know I'm able to do anything anyone else would be able to do um and a lot of my hormonal symptoms have completely subsided i don't have the same kind of pms my um just my overall my entire cycle including ovulation on on the pain i used to get then has definitely dissipated Mm -hmm. i think a lot of it was pressure from those cysts as well so not having the cysts there have been very helpful yeah Mm -hmm. so you started with your ayurvedic training and becoming an ayurvedic practitioner way before you were diagnosed with endometriosis yes so when did you start that journey so i had had bulimia and eating disorders Mm -hmm. and i put together my own self-healing practice once i woke up to the idea that that wasn't a healthy way to live right um i had read a book by chogram trungpa um i think it's the path of the peaceful warrior something like that Mm -hmm. and there was a chapter about how your body's a temple so Mm -hmm. why would you spray paint on it and trash it right and i was like oh my god i've been trashing my temple and it was my aha moment and i was 20 Mm -hmm. and i ended up studying abroad and i went to italy and i kind of tried to model my italy trip after eat pray love and tried to teach myself how to eat and enjoy food again Mm -hmm. and when i came home i decided to take a yoga teacher training um and i thought that would be just a nice way to get back in touch with my body and love my body mm-hmm. and so that was in 2010 and that november of 2010 i i um one of the present pre- like presenters in the yoga teacher training introduced ayurveda and i started working with a practitioner up where i went to school and i was uh, doing the teacher training in burlington vermont and she was lovely and she got me on some practices, got me some books and I started just teaching myself. And about a year later, I um, started working with another practitioner, Damien Hagland, and he mentored me until I could go, knew enough of enough language and mm-hmm. enough of the right kind of things to do in India that, that were respectful so that mm-hmm. I could go study with the teacher that he had. That's, in now, India. that's now my teacher uh-huh. who I've been studying with since two, 2012 mm-hmm. and so I, I start I was doing his work in 2011 and I studied and worked up to going and getting my health good enough to go to India and then about every year and a half or so I go back and I study with him mm-hmm. and I in touch with him regularly via Skype and I've been studying with him ever since mm-hmm. and many other teachers as well but he was definitely my first like major human influence of someone who is self-healed with Ayurveda right um, so that, so that journey has been kind of going on for the last six and a half, seven years. Mm-hmm. 
so I know that there's a lot of things that fall under the category of Ayurveda Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of different Ayurvedic practices but can you briefly explain what Ayurvedic is just so that everyone can kind of just have a basic understanding of what it is and then also talk about what area of Ayurveda you specialize in for sure so Ayurveda has many different definitions Mm -hmm. Um, it's really just the science of of maintenance it's Mm -hmm. really understanding how to maintain your brain your belly and your body particularly your belly because it supports your body and your brain as we're learning with all the research that's coming out about the microbiome how much the digestive system influences our brain and our thoughts and and our and the health of our brain and also the health of our body Mm -hmm. and so it's really understanding that through metabolism if you can somehow understand your own metabolism you can maintain good longevity and health throughout your life Mm -hmm. and as the changes and ebbs and flows of your environment change that you can adjust your lifestyle and your temperature to be in sync with nature Mm -hmm. and so it's really a science of home remedies and simple practices and techniques that you use daily um, that you practice and try out and see what works for you and adapt uh, just make you a more adaptable person pretty much Mm -hmm. and allow you to adapt to different environments you know before we had airplanes and boats and we were traveling we lived in climates that we had that our you know genetics had lived in for thousands of years but now that we travel and we all live in different places we have to adapt sometimes to climates that our genetics aren't used to Mm -hmm. so ayurveda is a really cool science because it gives you all these different tools to be able to adapt to different environments Mm -hmm. and so it's really how i see the science particularly Mm -hmm. and then my specialty there are many there's a whole herb science there's so many different sciences within ayurveda about the different kind of applications and Mm -hmm. modalities that you can use to maintain balance in your life um i study with this teacher in india and um dr madhusudan rai and he is a tribal warrior Mm -hmm. practitioner so he comes from a warrior lineage Um, So how the warriors used to live and how they functioned. So what they did for their body and their brain and their bellies to be able to go to war and fight and also come back and heal. Mm -hmm. So they had a particular type of of martial art called marma. Marma means secret. And it was all these little pressure points. And so they would strike them in certain ways in battle. But then you'd have all this trauma and PTSD coming back from war. So you would need healing. Mm -hmm. And so they would use those same pressure points that they would use for killing. And they would come back and with a different modality, a different way of pressing those points, they could take all of the stress out of the nervous system, take all of those memories that were sitting in the system from that day at war so that they could go back to war the next day with perfect reflexes. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I've been spending a lot of time studying. And it's a little bit of a different application than what's out there today, especially in the West and in the East, too. It's, it's, it's pretty lost science, as mm-hmm. a lot of these sci- old tribal sciences have been. Um, and so it's a, it's a body treatment, and it's also a way of living. It's also a way of using certain home remedies, like cold compresses and really simple stuff. Right. And also diet and understanding metabolism. Mm-hmm. Um, understanding different body types and different metabolic types and how you feed them and how you deal with them in order to optimize them. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of my specialty. Cool. So how, what's like the relationship between Ayurvedic medicine and like Eastern versus Western medicine? So 
It's funny. Ayurveda is really like the folk medicine right. of India. Right. But there's folk medicine of every culture. Right. So, you know, our heritage and where our family comes from is mostly Eastern European. Mm -hmm. Right. We have some Polish, Russian, Lithuanian, mm -hmm. Romanian, all these different kinds of cultures, Ukraine. And so my mission to update Ayurveda is to, you know, tell people to go back into their genetics and their heritage and the folk medicine of their great grandparents and their great great grandparents and what they would do for healing, simple recipes through food and just simple life and apply that because those things are going to be much closer to our genetics mm -hmm. than per se maybe me having a bunch of Indian spices, which might not go so well for my genetics. Right. But if I could eat the spices of from Russia that do the same thing that are the equivalent right. it will be easier for me to digest and process and I'll heal quicker mm -hmm. so that's kind of how I think of Ayurveda it's really just taking a system that they have but a pl of the metabolic system and how to all these different systems but then plugging in the remedies from your culture mm -hmm. so it really individualizes it for each person because mm -hmm. we're all so unique but Ayurvedic is more of an eastern medicine practice but yes. you you believe in Western medicine as well. So 100%. Like your philosophy is merging the two. Yes. I believe we walk on two legs. Why would we hop on one? Right. And part of that comes from my teacher mm -hmm. in India because he was, he had an accident and became paralyzed and he went to Western doctors and he always used Western and Eastern. He believes in both. And he, when I was kind of straying from Western medicine because of my experience, he always told me to come back to it. He said, you know, if you, if you had a heart attack, mm -hmm. you wouldn't go see a healer. You'd go to the doctor. There's right. acute and then there's chronic, right? right? And so for acute issues, like the Western medicine is amazing. And even there's great integrative doctors who do it all. You yeah. know, there's a lot of doctors you can go to now, fortunately, that have both sides. Yeah. I think my surgery has been incredibly influential and helpful in my health and I give so much you know praise to the western medical system to come up with something like that because right. it's saved my life mm -hmm. and I 100% believe in it I believe that sometimes to manage certain symptoms eastern medicine can be really helpful because you don't have to be on medications yeah. you can be on really simple things like taking hot baths can do something that a certain medication could do for you yeah. right so mm -hmm. there's simple things we could do without putting too much in to balance that so I definitely believe they go together hand in hand and the more they work together the better people's health will be yeah and just like the education of eastern medicine practices can really help people um, in their day-to-day -day lives with any health issues that they might have totally what kind of clients do you have and do you work with uh, to help heal? Easy. Yeah. All sorts of stuff. Um, some people come for prevention. They're just really, they just want to optimize their health. They're which doing is amazing. pretty well, which is great like, that people. More people need to be doing that. Right. The consciousness of people is really changing, yeah. especially even from when I started doing this work about seven years ago it's completely it's like night and day when mm -hmm. you talk to people now they actually know what Ayurveda is yeah I didn't even know what it was right yeah. eight nine years ago so it's become much more prevalent and um and then I see people with all sorts of things I've I've had clients that have had cancer all sorts of different kinds of cancers mm -hmm. um you know people with same similar stuff like what I had I end up seeing a lot of women with and younger women with digestive issues, digestive mm -hmm. disorders, or they have history of eating disorders, similar stuff that I had, the microbiome imbalances, which led to eating disorders. Mm -hmm. I do believe that a microbiome imbalance of, you know, having just that standard American diet, it can lead into digestive and eating disorders. Um, so I work with a lot of people with that. Uh, definitely work with other people who've had endometriosis and some of these bladder conditions. Um, 
a lot of people who've got things that they don't really know just chronic inflammation or Lyme or you name it that everyone I've seen I've seen all sorts of people yeah, yeah for sure so I mean I think it's fascinating how Ayurvedic uh, modalities can like help anyone with any health issue like Ayurvedic healing is applicable regardless of what you're coming for well I love thinking about it this way yeah so when we're all in our mom's bellies, mm-hmm. we grow out of the umbilica. So mm-hmm. we, we're growing out of the belly button. So through the belly button, there's a pathway to every single place in the body. Mm-hmm. So that core, that digestive system is mm-hmm. really the core of our health. Mm-hmm. And if we can keep that open and keep that processing system really healthy and working well, and we can make sure that we're on these kind of anti-inflammatory diets, anything that happens to you, any accident, any trauma, any disease that kind of comes on, we can heal because we can digest it. Mm-hmm. But if the digestive system is blocked, these diseases really can fester and it's much harder to heal them. Mm-hmm. So I think the reason Ayurveda can be so helpful to all sorts of different diseases and issues and pain that people have is because that system, that, co- that core of our system, the digestive system, if that's running well, we can, we can really, we can heal almost anything. Yeah, and I feel like that's your main focus regardless of why someone's coming to see you is like you always are relating it back to their gut and their digestion how if like their digestion can be fixed a lot of their other issues can be fixed and odds are if you're suffering from any sort of health issues something's wrong with your gut yeah there's a lot of imbalance in the microbiome unfortunately there's not the greatest education out there mm-hmm. i think that's like somewhere we can really strengthen mm-hmm. um about diet there's you know from a young age i mean not as like there's so much more information out now than there ever was before especially when we were growing up even not so long ago mm-hmm. you know we just we thought a certain type of diet was healthy and now we're learning that actually no that wasn't healthy at all so as more information comes out and more research is being done and different diseases are growing in certain types of you know I would like to say like microbiome certain different kinds of environments we are learning more and more about what really is healthy and I think as we continue to learn we're going to realize that that's very unique and different from person to person Mm -hmm one size does not fit all in this case yeah and it's very intuitive we just need to really get back into that gut intelligence and really listen to that and let the mind take a back seat sometimes when it comes to listening to the belly and what it has to say Mm -hmm. um and i know that you i mean you just said that you have a lot of patients who have chronic pain regardless of what type of pain it is but obviously pelvic pain falls under the category of chronic pain in general yes so I want to know what uh, are some ways that you help the people you see cope with their pain whether it is pelvic pain which you do deal with often or any pain in general I think that coping mechanisms um, Ayurvedic coping mechanisms for chronic pain can help regardless of of what where the pain is stemming from 100% Uh I agree really simple things yeah I really like belly massage it's one of my favorite things and it's super easy to do yourself families can do it to each other friends Mm -hmm. you know it's it's um it basically opens up all the little knots and things that kind of the distress in the stomach it can reduce anxiety and it kind of allows for the blood flow in the digestive system to open up Mm -hmm. and creates more blood flow so that we can release more toxins and 
it can really help with reproductive health. Um, sometimes when we get anxious, that whole system pulls up into that. And tenses up. Yeah, it tenses up. So if you can keep the belly relaxed or you relax it, you can process more. You can digest life better. And so that's something that helps a lot of people with their back pain tremendously. Sometimes mm-hmm. if you have back pain, which is very common now, um, if you go and touch that touch the person's back or you go and get a massage, it can sometimes get more inflamed. So since those back muscles wrap around into the stomach and they're the same muscles, you can open up those muscles from the belly and reduce tremendous amount of black back pain pretty instantly. Yeah. Um, it's actually pretty crazy. You've done treatments on my stomach and like you feel the, the like sciatica release and like all of these areas in your lower back release that you never would have even thought or connected to your stomach. But then once you think about it it makes so much sense it's like okay well my stomach and my back are pretty much in the same spot just once in the front once in the back exactly so like whether you're touching your back your stomach it's connected to the same place exactly and and those points really open things up and you can you can really sort out not just your back but it can help process other things and get other toxins out which could be causing inflammation to the pain that you're and with you know inflammation is very very painful Mm -hmm. and so if we can reduce inflammation that takes a whole layer of pain off and then you can really see what's going on underneath and so that's one of my favorite tips how do you belly massage so well so also we're gonna i'm gonna link um a video of katie giving a belly massage so that anyone who wants to actually watch it can but explain as well how how do you give a belly massage to yourself or to someone else so you can do it on yourself it's easy to lay down sometimes i even do mine when i'm in a bath because my muscles are more relaxed Mm -hmm. and you just take your fingers or sometimes you can use a wooden spoon or some sort of tool if it's easier for you to get more leverage and about an inch around the belly button in in a circle Mm -hmm. you can go clockwise um you press in a square kind of about an inch outside of your belly button and these are the different pressure points that are around the belly button and they're connected to like your whole body like the different points in your whole body exactly. are around your belly button exactly so you're releasing tension all over your body right and so and how it, hard do you press you go for your own you know you kind of go to your limit and what i do but is you want to put like decent pressure you put pressure so what you can do is you you put pressure on the point very lightly and as you mm-hmm. inhale you exhale and on the exhale you let your finger drop in a little bit deeper mm-hmm. and then you hold it there as you do the next inhale mm-hmm. so you hold it in that deep place as you inhale and then as you exhale you let your hand sink a little bit deeper so you do it really slowly and gently but you can get pretty deep you'd be surprised and mm-hmm. sometimes if you have a really open belly you'd be able to touch all the way back into your spine it's crazy <laughs> it's pretty crazy <laughs> But it's really incredible yeah. what it does. It can help people with their prostate issues. It can mm-hmm. help people with all sorts of problems. With your bladder issues. 100%. Yeah. Um, th- it's best to do it on an empty stomach. You don't want to do it when you have a bunch of food in your belly. Yeah. And if you have your cycle or period, you would avoid it during that time. You don't want to create more tension there. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, you can pretty much do it throughout the day as long as you ha- don't have a full belly. Yeah. And it's an incredible daily practice to do. Sometimes I'll just do it while I'm watching TV. I like to multitask. I'm also a big proponent of like uh, warm Epsom salt baths and mm-hmm. cold compresses on the reproductive system or on areas of the body that have heat. So, you know, if I have someone who's like had a knee surgery and they were playing tennis and it got inflamed, doing a cold compress or a castor oil pack on that area can remove a lot of the heat. Um, or 
you know, a lot of people like to work out and work out produces a lot of inflammation in the system. And so what I've been having people do lately is doing a cold compress on their belly and their forehead to bring their body temperature down as, as their cool down. Mm-hmm. Cause so many people skip their cool downs. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, just lay down and put the cold compress on. And I've been getting reports back that it's been taking all the lactic acid out of their whole body through Crazy. just doing a cold compress on their belly and their forehead. After they exercise? After they exercise. Uh-huh. And it's been really interesting so that's been an experiment i have some people trying these days no i think that the recovery process of exercise is more important than the actual exercise itself i mean not more sorry that's a bold statement but just as important as the exercise yes and i think people with pain i also you know i tell them you know be easy on yourself mm-hmm. um and i try to get them to do things that are you know are a little more passive and not as intense on the joints intense on their body a lot of people think oh, I can push through this I can push through the pain and I you know, try to just encourage people to be gentle with themselves as mm-hmm. they're going through in dealing with their chronic pain and um, you know there are sometimes just it, it's really hard we can be really hard on ourselves when we have pain mm-hmm. and so there's like different mantras and affirmations meditation things that you can do to calm the mind so that you don't have to use exercise to calm the mind mm-hmm. and exercise should just be playful and fun and I always encourage people with pain if they want to exercise to do something in nature and don't be in a gym mm-hmm. just go out go swimming go on a lake go hiking go take a walk outside go be in nature mm-hmm. um, get some really fresh oxygen yeah. from trees and uh, you know, connect with that as part of your as part of your movement and your exercise because it's it, it takes a little bit more pressure off of off of the system that way. Right. And then in terms of digestion tips that you have or that you give people you see who are dealing with pain, how how do you try and help help heal their digestion to in turn help heal their pain? So a lot of the Because I, I know you focus a lot on digestion and yes. pain. So the thing is, it's interesting. So we could have some scar tissue from a surgery or from an accident. And when we eat, we could eat something that produces, you know, eating and chewing. It produces gas mm-hmm. and it produces inflammation every time we eat. So it's funny. This gas and inflammation is very, very intelligent. And it will mm-hmm. go right into the little sore spot or the place that you'd had a surgery or the ankle that you had sprained many times when you were a kid. And it will go and inflame the area. Mm-hmm. Because it's very smart. So it goes to the area where there's already a little blockage and it blows it up. Mm-hmm. So usually, if we can reduce the amount of gas and inflammation we produce from digestion, it won't send as much of that to the area that's already in pain. Mm-hmm. So one of my biggest and favorite tips mm-hmm. is avoiding hunger, mm-hmm. which is very contradictory actually to the Ayurveda that exists that a lot of people know of. And it's also Why? very- Because con- they believe Because a lot of different, a lot of practices, including Ayurveda, the traditional Ayurveda that's really more popular and out there, believe you should wait until you're hungry to eat, which mm-hmm. is something we're all kind of all told. I feel like I read that a lot. But it's interesting. If you think about an animal in nature, Mm -hmm. let's say a tiger, if they waited until they were hungry to start hunting, Mm -hmm. they're prey. Mm -hmm. And then if they overeat, they're also prey because they can't move. They have to sit and digest. Mm -hmm. So they're prey if they undereat or overeat. Mm -hmm. And you can see this in the animal kingdom with the alpha system. Mm -hmm. The alpha is the one who has the most calories. Mm -hmm. Alpha is the... It's the animal that kind of is in control, right. or that is dominating, right. and can you know kind of running the show. Mm-hmm. And we'll even tell people sometimes, you know, if you want to be, you know, 
kind of the person that I'm that's you know in control of your environment mm-hmm. and you kind of want to have that confidence you have to have enough calories mm-hmm. if you don't have enough calories people can pick on you if you have the least amount of calories in your body mm-hmm. and, you know when you get hungry some people get spacey or they'll get uh, foggy brain they're mm-hmm. not as sharp they can get into accidents I always if I'm hungry I get like so lightheaded so we become vulnerable yeah right some people get really spaced out. Really Some people get hangry, hangry, yeah, I get hangry, really hangry, right? I can't do anything. Start to lash out. And then when you think about it, hunger makes us make some really bad choices yeah. because we'll tend to just t- eat the closest thing to us, which might not always be the best thing for us. Yeah. We tend to not chew our food well enough. We tend to eat too quickly and we tend to overeat because we're starving. And all those things cause gas. All those things call gas and cause gas and inflammation. Mm-hmm. And gas is also, so one of the best ways to avoid gas is actually to have a half a cup of hot water or warm water. It doesn't have to be super hot, mm-hmm. especially when it's hot out, but warm water before eating. Mm-hmm. So even if I go to a restaurant and I have to eat something, I'll get a little cup of hot water and drink that while I'm ma- deciding what I want to eat. Mm-hmm. Because it takes all of your kinetic energy that's going on in your brain and puts your energy in your stomach. So mm-hmm. then your belly has the, then your belly has the attention and it's saying, okay, this is actually what I want. Right. Your brain had all these ideas of what you wanted, but your belly starts to tell you what it wants. And it also takes up all this space, which is the gas mm-hmm. that basically has resulted from you being empty from your last meal. Mm-hmm. So warm water, hot water, plain with lemon, How however, however you like it. Just as you sit down to eat. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have Why? to it could be directly before. It could be leading up to your meal. Why have I read that it's not good to drink 30 minutes before or after you eat or is that not true you know I'm, or it's like what works best for you it's what works best for yeah. you you can try different things a lot of, i know a lot of people say that um yeah. and you know the, there's a lot of i tried different, that i really didn't notice any difference there are a lot personally. of systems that say that and it has to do with enzyme production i believe uh-huh. from my experience and my research i haven't found it to be that detrimental to me i think if it's warm water it's not going to kill that yeah, many yeah, enzymes yeah. um but that has been um, it will reduce bloating after your meals yeah. it takes up all the space in your stomach that was there so that when you eat that space doesn't get compressed into your nerves and into these mm-hmm. little areas where you might have scar tissue or some inflammation already mm-hmm. so that's one of the greatest ways i like to reduce gas in mm-hmm. the body and then inflammation you know having a good balanced diet of macronutrition having good raw fats unheated unprocessed that you add to your food after after it's cooked mm-hmm. and having you know healthy like pre- what are some examples of that olive oil avocado. cold pressed oils like olive oil avocados have a great great source of fats olives mm-hmm. do too um i personally really like raw dairy so mm-hmm. i like raw butter mm-hmm. um which raw is a great cheese. raw cheese yeah. has a lot of good fats in it it's a good protein too um but cold pressed oils are really easy to get chia seeds are a great fat too mm-hmm. um i really there's hemp all seeds. sorts of oils hemp seeds mm-hmm. um there's really great you know you can get pumpkin seed oil pistachio oil you can get all sorts of oils yeah. now and they're as long as they're cold pressed they're raw we don't want to cook them you want to put them on top of your food after it's cooked because a raw fat think about it this way if you cook cook an oil it's really hard to clean the pan but if you just put oil on a salad you only need warm water on the plate to Mm -hmm. clean it it's Mm -hmm. the same thing in the body so the raw fats digest very quickly and they they help lubricate the system and Mm -hmm. oilate the body but cooked fats are the ones that kind of get clogged and stuck in your system and Mm -hmm. are harder to digest and you and then your proteins and carbs which are very easy to find Mm -hmm. and 
you know, by not overeating and undereating, we can reduce a lot of acid production. Basically, hunger, you already have a lot of acid bubbling. And when we overeat, we have to produce a lot of acid to digest our food. So avoiding overeating and undereating is a great way to just reduce inflammation mm -hmm. really simply without yeah. thinking too much about what you're eating. Yeah. Timing is really important. And so also sipping on drinks between your meals throughout the day is really helpful too. Mm -hmm. Because by not allowing that hunger to really pop up and just kind of keeping it at like a pretty baseline mm -hmm. you won't get a sugar spike either you won't get that up and down uh, kind of keep your glycemic index pretty regulated stable, and yeah. stable throughout the day so you have consistent energy consistent brain function everything feels pretty good and you usually like to add like I know that you are always carrying something like a drink around with you but I mean you you're a big fan of raw dairy but you like to add something to your water so let's say you, you know you mm -hmm. go to work and you have a big water bottle and you're going to step on that throughout the day but then what's something that you could add to the water water which i know that you do mm -hmm. which can help keep like your blood sugar stable and keep you not from from not getting like too hungry um chia seeds are great chia seeds, sometimes uh -huh. i'll just squeeze lemon and chia seeds into a water bottle mm -hmm. and that's great or mm -hmm. you can add a little raw honey or maple raw syrup honey, to yeah. that if you want for some sugars to help give you some sugar because we need sugar for brain function and yeah. to move our bodies right yeah. sugars aren't bad we just need them all balanced with the fats and proteins yeah. and then chlorophyll is a really nice thing to add to water too it's very cooling mm -hmm. you could add some fresh mint or fresh herbs or even um there's sometimes certain uh food grade essential oils that you can put a drop of mint oil or something like that to kind of give it a cooling effect to yeah. reduce any heat or inflammation in the body um, and I'm a big fan of cold compresses after I eat if I've eaten a meal that's a little bit more than I should have eaten mm -hmm. I'll do a cold compress to reduce the inflammation after food mm -hmm. um, or before too is helpful so just like really simple things yeah and it's great to have food in your water sip on broths or watered down shakes or watered down food because we actually absorb that hydration much better and we don't have to um, pee as much and run the kidneys and right. you know, lose extra minerals that way. So right. I'm a big proponent of that for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and also, I mean, you talked about this briefly before, but just really being mindful when you're eating of not swallowing your food, really chewing it and eating in peace and eating slowly can really help with digestion because most of us are like eating quickly in the middle of the day or like you know we get home from work and we sit down and we're starving and then we eat a huge meal and we don't even like remember what we ate two seconds ago some of the really causes like bloating and oh. serious digestive issue issues so i think that it's really 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 important to be mindful of like the way that you eat your food and how much that can help with digestion and like even that simple tip is probably so beneficial for so many people like it's something that most people don't pay any attention to yeah we have to be really mindful mm -hmm. right and a lot of times we're trained to watch tv and eat our dinner right, right? or yeah. there's all sorts of weird things that we're distracted while we're eating or eating even we were talking about sitting down and eating with friends sometimes you could hear a sad story while you're eating food and how can you digest that story and your food at the same time yeah. you'll get a little knot in your stomach or something won't digest well you yeah. get indigestion from that right mm -hmm. even just from hearing the sad story alone you could get indigestion mm -hmm. you can get anxiety you can get all sorts of feelings where the stomach seizes so it's hard to do both things mm -hmm. you know and that's where the hot water helps it kind of reduces and eases that a little bit and also like you said being really mindful i actually did a practice after when i was recovering from bulimia that i imposed on myself mm -hmm. i 
wouldn't eat around people for mm-hmm. a year. For mm-hmm. one year, I ate every single meal by myself mm-hmm. with no electronics. Mm-hmm. And I did it as an experiment, self-experiment. Yeah. And I I wanted to just eat in peace. Yeah. And like love my food and enjoy it. Yeah. And appreciate it and thank it for giving me energy. What you eat, what you think, your physiology and mm-hmm. who you hang out with. These four things really make up who we are. Yeah. And the thing is is our association affects all those other things it affects what we eat and what we do and what mm-hmm. we think and who we are so you know having good community people that you can you know good support systems and you know people that are in alignment with the way that you like to feed yourself yeah. is, is really special to have someone that you know you could go to a meal with and not be judged by and you could eat whatever you want and and be yourself mm-hmm. that's really important and you've seen these like because these techniques and tips and tools are so simple like taking baths are so simple it's mm-hmm. so easy that's actually like a really enjoyable thing mm-hmm. if you can make time to take a bath it doesn't need to be every day but yeah. it can be like once a week once a week or like on the weekends or mm-hmm. if you have time like whenever you have time to take a bath or like whenever you have time to use a cold compress or i mean the eating and di- chewing and mindful eating is should be probably more of like a daily practice but regardless these things are like really simple ways that you can make lifestyle changes and you've seen these things like really help people with any sort of issues that they have 100 percent, including myself yeah and that's why i believe in it so deeply yeah because even with this disease that mm-hmm. i had through all these years mm-hmm. i was able to make incredible transformations mm-hmm. super simply yeah and and so it inspired me to continue on the, that path of continuing to practice those things and learn those things and the longer you do these little tiny habits that you change and and evolve the more years you do them for the more effect they have and the Mm -hmm. effect grows and you can you really see you know first the things that are not going right inside your body start to heal the things that are the most challenged heal first right Mm -hmm. but then over time then the outside starts to heal and your skin gets better and your hair grows thicker and your nails grow faster and yeah. your skin looks great and you start to glow and people start to ask you, what are you doing? Yeah. I'm like, um, just taking eating baths. well and sleeping well and taking rest when I need yeah. it and listening to my body, not trying to push myself. If I have my period, I take two days off and try really hard mm-hmm. to not work those days too hard. I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I try to let my body detox. It's its natural detox system. I try yeah. to let it have those days to process. I'm not hard on myself those mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm took time but you got there mm-hmm. and um your clients like what type of feedback do they give you after they try these techniques like they really say that like they they notice changes that are, i'm still surprised when i yeah. hear people's feedback because yeah. sometimes it happens much quicker than i suspect yeah um yeah i've had clients who you know they would get hot sweats all night mm-hmm. it's a very common thing because a lot of people just go many many hours without food at mm-hmm. night when we're sleeping which is mm-hmm. pretty normal when you think about it we eat all day and then we expect at eight hours to not have food to just be fine but yeah. a lot of people's metabolisms digest their food so quickly and then they digest their toxins pretty quickly mm-hmm. and then they wake up at like two or three in the morning to either pee or something and the sleep that you get from that two or three a.m to the morning isn't always so deep you usually no. have like some weird dreams or all sorts of stuff happens different people you roll and toss and turn yeah so what i started practicing which now i tell other people to do is i sip on a seed milk or like a hemp milk or coconut milk or oat milk i do raw milk mm-hmm. um in when I wake up to pee, mm-hmm. I would drink on. I drink that, and when I go back to bed, my sleep is so much deeper because I've fed. My stomach has calories, mm-hmm. so it's not eating itself. 
it's called ketoacidosis when the body starts eating your muscle because it's too hungry mm-hmm. and it ate all your toxins that it needed to digest for the day and it ate and it ate all the food that you had for dinner and people sleep is much better because what that does it's when you get those hot flesh sweat sweats it's mm-hmm. a, it's adrenaline and so that means the body is eating itself it's not eating food anymore it's not yeah. living off of calories it's living off of you mm-hmm. and that's not a really happy no. place to be and it causes a lot of anxiety some people who wake up with heart palpitations or anxiety it can be mm-hmm. from the empty stomach mm-hmm. in those early morning hours so i've had people in two days of doing that of having like a, something it, to sip on when they wake up in the middle of the night all, like tremendous transformation reduced they're like not as puffy they've lost a few pounds mm-hmm. they feel better they've their sleep is deeper in like two days and they probably also aren't waking up like ravenously hungry no they're feeling so much more rested right. they can take their time it's a complete that is that yeah. it's it actually still shocks me every time i hear yeah. good feedback because it's it's still very surprising to me mm-hmm. and it's amazing and i feel like mm-hmm. a little kid every time i get good feedback right but yeah i get it's the, exciting to it's, like hear that these these practices like really are working for the people that you're helping people who have had chronic back issues for years start doing the belly massage and within a couple days they're like my back pain is 60 percent less than it's been in six years you know you hear these crazy stories from belly massage from belly massage you know it's it's really interesting blows my mind still to this day every single time Mm -hmm. and also sleep is so important for i mean for everyone's health but i also know that for people who have chronic pain if they're not sleeping well their pain is going to be so much worse and i know that ayurvedic healing has a lot to do with like sleep and techniques for a better sleep so Mm -hmm. what would be some pieces of advice that you would be able to give um for anyone who has sleep issues and that obviously is making their pain worse whether they're in tune with that or not if you're not getting a really good sleep your your pain's gonna gonna become aggravated so like how would you help someone with that or like what would be some sort of advice that you could give don't rely on nighttime to Mm -hmm. be the only time that you rest because Mm -hmm. it's asking a lot of yourself especially Mm -hmm. when you have chronic pain um sometimes for me i've had the first two three days of my cycle where i can't sleep all night because the pain's so bad Mm -hmm. i can't sleep Mm -hmm. So meditation is a really good way to rest, Mm -hmm. which also can be difficult, but sometimes actually can relieve some of the pain. There's so many types of meditation out there. Mm -hmm. Um, We can help list some things maybe that people can try. We can send links for certain people to try try out some different things, even affirmations. But I'm really into these, like a shavasana, or we call them corpse, where you Mm -hmm. lay on your back, your arms are stretched out, and your legs are stretched out, and you lay on your back, you could put an eye mask on. You could do it for five minutes, you could do it for 10 minutes, you could do it for two minutes, you could Mm -hmm. do it once a day you could do it throughout the day some if you have time in your schedule and you have a flexible schedule or after work or i actually have a friend of both of ours who lives mm-hmm. in and he works in um in israel mm-hmm. and he takes a break at his lunch break closes the door and he does this every lunch break Shabbat he lies on his yeah he lies on his back and he you don't fully fall asleep but you yeah. it's like you're a, like in a meditative state. it's a meditative state yeah. where you, where your body dumps stress and you can really release a lot of tiredness so mm-hmm. if you're not getting a really full night's sleep doing that once or twice or sometimes a couple times really short throughout the day you'll start to get you'll make up for the time that you weren't sleeping at night yeah. um 
which has been incredibly helpful to me and a lot of the people that yeah. I've spoken to. And sometimes your schedule doesn't permit. So I always like to also encourage people to like have some sort of seed milk or something to like make sure their stomach's not super empty when they go to bed. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that can keep people up, mm-hmm. you know, you know, eat, sleep, mate, defend. Mm-hmm. You have to eat in order to sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, eat comes first. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's important. That's from my perspective. I know there's a lot of other perspectives out yeah. there. Um, and, and it's not like overeating. I wouldn't even eat. Like I say drink. 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 Yeah. Because yeah. then you don't, you don't induce the entire digestive system, right. especially if it's You're probiotic just like your kind body of drink. Like calm mm-hmm. and like happy. You can make well some yogurt and water or yeah. coconut yogurt and water, almond yogurt, whatever kind of with water, and you blend it with a little bit of raw honey or a little bit of vanilla or maple syrup or something. Right. And you just sip on that for like so 30, 40 minutes before you go to bed, and your stomach won't be full but it won't be empty yeah and that helps get to sleep a little bit i also am really big into binaural beats which are which you can listen to and they have certain ones that help for sleep or Mm -hmm. um i also really um love these drones that you can listen to that help for sleep Mm -hmm. um there's these ones called the zen effect my Mm -hmm. friend of mine rolf kent he made these really amazing drones that equalize your brain waves they're amazing drones drones and they kind of are these like wait what how you buy it yeah you can download them on itunes they're great it's um like not an air not an airplane it's like a sound so there's these certain sound frequencies that really help you kind of get into these tired meditative states so sometimes especially if you're flying and you need to rest those are great and they help you get to sleep Uh a warm bath with epsom salts will Uh be very relaxing before bed i put a little baking soda in mine what is that it helps with the detox mm-hmm. yeah. it helps with it's anti-inflammatory it helps yeah. detox they say energetically it's also detoxing helps kind of wash off your day mm-hmm. um also a little bit of um you can use some oil massage on your feet and on your mm-hmm. scalp is a very typical ayurvedic practice that you could do before bed you could do your full body and then get in the bath and use coconut oil or any oil that you like that yeah. your body s- is suited for it's very calming for the nerves mm-hmm. And then sometimes journaling is helpful. Sometimes the mind races at night. So if we write things down, mm-hmm. it helps to kind of get some stuff out. So you don't have to, I sometimes, sometimes it, yeah. it can help kind of purge the mind a little bit before you go to bed. Um, all those kinds of techniques so are really good and helpful for sleep. And different, different ones will work differently for, for different people, for different people. Exactly. And but like tries. trying them is so helpful and all you can do is really try and see what helps. I always say everything's an experiment Mm -hmm. and we're you're not getting you know the result isn't good or bad it's just information yeah exactly so we're just oh well that didn't work for me then but maybe in 10 years it could be my favorite thing Mm -hmm. so never write anything off Mm -hmm. always go back and keep trying it you know our hormones and our bodies change everything changes as we age so Mm -hmm. going back and testing things that we might not have liked at 10 we might really like at 20 yeah you know yeah um and I mean so this whole episode I think has been like filled with information and tips and <laughs> techniques and things you can do uh every day but is there anything else if you had to give one other piece of advice is there anything else that you would that you would really want everyone to know you know i think it's r- people talk a lot about self-love and mm-hmm. acceptance and you know being kind to ourselves there's so many different techniques and ways to get there mm-hmm. i think the more we kind of you know, my best tip to everyone would be to be your own advocate, mm-hmm. to listen to yourself. There's so much information out there. It can mm-hmm. be really terribly confusing and yeah. very conflicting. Everyone yeah. has a different perspective. And even some of the tips I gave today, it could be completely contradicting so many other perspectives out there. Yeah. 
And I think keeping an open mind, but also having discernment and going inside some way that we really, you know, going inside and checking with yourself and, you know, keeping your own boundaries, but also really, you know, making sure that what resonates with your intuition, listening Mm -hmm. to yourself, you know, better than anyone. No one else is inside of you. No one else feels what you feel. No one knows your pain better than you do. No one knows how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. So you got to listen to yourself. It's really easy to go and hand that responsibility off to doctors and healers and therapists right. and family and people who you think know you or your partners, all right. sorts of people. But at the end of the day, no one knows you better than you. And so I guess my last piece of you know advice mm-hmm. is just listen to yourself and whatever it takes you to get there. It doesn't yeah. matter what that means, you know, as long as it's healthy, hopefully. Yeah. Um, getting getting to yourself getting to the core of yourself and listening to that voice inside so important it's it's the most important and i think ultimately that's what's that's that's the challenge that's the constant challenge of life everyone's challenge you know external and internal and how we balance those worlds and especially when it comes to health there is just you could find some study to prove almost anything out there Mm -hmm. these days there is so much information and so many things that work and don't work and and we have to always come back to ourselves, test things, test mm-hmm. things for a while. Sometimes you should, they say in Ayurveda, it takes four seasons because something mm-hmm. might work in one season that it doesn't work in another season right. or it might work in a hot climate that doesn't work in a cold climate. But it's hard to do that. That could take many years to test many things. Yeah. So at least a couple months to test yeah. something. You know, the body takes time to change. But do your own experiments. Do yeah. your, you know, think of your body as your laboratory. Always experiment, you know, these are your own self-experiments. I pretty much experiment with practically everything that I would tell someone to do. Mm-hmm. I've done myself. Because mm-hmm. um, I believe I'm my own best laboratory. Mm-hmm. And self-experimentation, that's how we learn. That's how we grow. And that's how we, you know, start to interact with the world. And so listen to your heart. Listen to yourself. Listen to your gut. Yeah. No pun intended. (laughs) But I also think it's so important that, I mean, you like we talked about how if you try, let's say you try taking hot baths or you try, you know, drinking some sort of milk water combination before (laughs) bed, right? And something doesn't work for you. But it's also important not to dismiss things so quickly. Like, Mm -hmm. give it a chance. Give it a week. Like, take Mm -hmm. baths for a certain amount of time or like any Mm -hmm. practice that we talked about, if, if that stands out to someone listening, like, you know, I think it's important to not just do it once and dismiss it, but to like give it a fair chance. And if it then doesn't work, it's okay to be like, okay, this does not work for me. But like, try it for a period of time mm-hmm. because I, I think that very few things work with like one in one shot. Mm-hmm. You know, look, there's things that work because of all these other factors. There are so many environmental factors that mm-hmm. go into why something works and doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And so. Something could work one time and not work another time. Exactly. You get a headache and use a home remedy and it works. And you can get a different kind of headache that's from something else and use mm-hmm. that same remedy and it doesn't work because there's three different types of headaches. Mm-hmm. You know, they come from different, uh, you know, probably more yeah. different types of headaches, you know. So there's, you know, stress headaches and migraines and then, you know, di- there's all these sinus headaches. And so yeah. the remedy for those things would be different. So if you, you know, so there's all the, these intricate things out there to mm-hmm. learn and, and experiment with. So the more we get into ourselves, the more we practice these things, and if we practice them for longer periods of time, we can really see, start to see patterns. Mm-hmm. And once you can see those patterns, you really can start to self, 
you know, figure mm-hmm. out what's going on for yourself. Mm-hmm. And then when you go to doctors, when you go to these healers and you go to these people, you can be very articulate because you know your body so yeah. well and you won't let anyone screw with you. No. You'll really know who, because you, you know who you are and you feel really yeah. secure in yourself and all that they give you is processed through your system. Yeah. You don't just take it on. You know, open-minded, but right. with discernment. Right. And there's one other thing that you talked about before we started that I want you to just also share. Um, we were talking about how chronic pain affects like relationships in your life and the things that you do but um you were saying how like the guilt that comes with pain and with the effect that it has on the relationships in your life so you told me the the kind of philosophy that you live by but I want you to share that also with the audience so our grandmother Mm -hmm. also had endometriosis Mm -hmm. and I see interstitial cystitis and a slew of other um, things with pain and she was a major confidant and I think helped us both in a a lot of ways and I do remember we had theater tickets Mm -hmm. um, which we loved to do and it was like my favorite thing in the world to do with grandma Mm -hmm. and you know I was my periods were irregular I had a really bad period it came out of the blue I wasn't supposed to have it for a few days and it was like three hours before the theater and I felt so sad the last thing I wanted to do was let grandma down Mm -hmm. I felt awful but I I knew I I couldn't move I couldn't walk Mm -hmm. and I called her crying Mm -hmm. and I was like I'm so sorry I hate to cancel I was in tears yeah and she was like Katie don't ever ever apologize for being in pain yeah she's like especially to me she's like I know and she's like let me give you some advice right and she said you know you have to listen to your body Mm -hmm. and you can't be ashamed you can't be guilty this is not your fault yeah you're not letting me down you need to take care of yourself right you you need to preserve yourself what good would it be if you were in pain the whole night with me it's silly um and she just really taught me that lesson of Mm self-preservation and that it's hard to let down other people it's hard to feel like you're disappointing people Mm -hmm. it it's hard whether you really try to have a positive mindset about it or not Mm -hmm. and guilt and shame kind of come into that equation Mm -hmm. you have a partner and they don't understand why you know you're not feeling into them it's it's, you've got pain you know there's and it's hard to explain these things especially to people who haven't had those experiences and it's nearly impossible it's really hard so you communicate the best you can and you really have to you have to preserve yourself you Mm -hmm. really have to take care of yourself first because what good are you to other people if you're not well yeah it's a hard lesson I've had to learn. Yeah. And still, it's still so learning. It's <laughs> so important. Yeah. And it's so helpful to not I mean, there's, feel that guilt with having uh, to, like, take time to yourself. To If you have to cancel, like, you're, you're most important. You have, to, you have to figure out how to put yourself first yeah. in those situations because, at, you know, so many times I had to pee, right? Yeah. But I was, like, in a situation where I felt like I was in an interview or I was in a situation where I felt like it would be rude to get up and go to right. the bathroom. Well, that, would, that really, really would cause a flare-up for me yeah. with this interstitial cystitis. So, so yeah. many times I've sacrificed my health and well-being to do what I thought was right. Yeah. And it's gotten me into a really bad health situation that turned yeah. these issues much more chronic as I've gotten older. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a hard lesson I've had to learn to put myself first. Mm-hmm. But it's it's important self-preservation. So important. And and you just communicate as sweetly as you can. Yeah. And you explain this isn't this is not about you. This is, you know, I love you. I feel terribly. We'll make it up to you. We'll make another date. Yeah. And and you know and your true friends and people who love you will totally understand yeah they will yeah and if they don't then 
there's nothing you can do and that's yeah. not on you you yeah. did your best and yeah. like we were talking about before communication is everything yeah even if you don't know if what you're experiencing is even pain because you've become so desensitized to mm -hmm. it talk about it yeah. vocalize it this is the time communicate there there's a lot of understanding loving people out there and hopefully you know we start to create communities where we feel safer to speak up a hundred percent and that's also something that I wanted to touch upon quickly is that I've been having this conversation with a lot of people recently about how they think that their pain is normal or they've had pain for so long that they've just accepted it as a part of their life or they've gotten used to it or they kind of have like put it on the back burner and not wanted to address it properly or address it at all in fact but I really want to just make it very clear that pain is not normal no one should live with pain and you should not ignore your pain if you don't feel well you're not going to be able like you're not going to be happy you're not going to be healthy you're not going to have good relationships you're not like nothing in your life is going to be able to flourish if you don't feel yourself and it's so important to just be able to address whatever's going on and to not kind of accept it as a part of your life because if you're able to address it and talk about it and communicate communicate about it and just seek out the proper help you will be able to remedy that pain so it's just like so crucial that you don't ignore it and dismiss it um and i think that that's like really what both of us want people to take away from this episode is just like don't ignore the way that you're feeling because discomfort pain anything it's not it's not normal and it also can be fixed there's so many things that you can do we just talked about very few amount of things that you can do to help with health and pain management but it's endless like we could talk for years about the amount of tools. doctors and treatments and tools and methods to heal with heal pain so don't like give up on yourself don't you don't not even try like you have to seek it out you have to address the way that you're feeling and you really have to just pay attention to your body and like know that if you don't feel well you have to take care of that 100 percent. Yeah. you said it i mean so just ignoring it it's going to make you sometimes Worse. grow and scream louder yeah exactly a lot of the times it will just aggravate it yeah you know, the body talks to us it's telling us things all the, all time. the time our belly's talking to us every mm -hmm. our brain talks to us we have to listen to these things mm -hmm. the brain's the only thing that you can really negotiate with because yeah. sometimes it's saying very silly things the, yeah. monkey brain. the monkey brain but really truly when the body's talking to you listen listen when we suppress that things get worse yeah love you kate i love you too thanks for having me on also i do not want to forget to tell everyone that uh so katie's based in portland but she travels a lot to la and sometimes to new york and she also does a lot of skype sessions so if anyone is interested in having a session with katie um i will link her information in the show notes but you can email her you can uh, message her on instagram um here give us your instagram handle and your email address uh k grossma k grossma mm -hmm. and my email k how do you spell it k g r o s s m a okay um or you could also uh, my email is that same thing mm -hmm. k g r o s s m a mm -hmm. at m e me dot com okay cool so reach out to katie even <laughs> if you don't i mean if you want to have skype sessions amazing even if you have like any questions of her she's 
loves talking about this with anyone who who wants to talk about it so definitely reach out to katie if you want to learn more about ayurvedic medicine and um like this episode leave a comment let let us know your feedback and i think that this is an episode that can really be shared with anyone regardless of of whether they have chronic pelvic pain or not because so much of what we talked about is so applicable to literally anyone i mean everyone has some sort of issue in their life so like these techniques can apply to anyone Mm -hmm. so share this episode with everyone and anyone um and leave comments because that really helps with getting more listeners and more viewers and stay tuned for the next episode thank you